This message was recorded at Devoted Leaders, a leadership conference hosted by Christ Central. Christ Central is a family of churches served by an apostolic team led by Jeremy Simpkins. We work with over 275 churches in more than 25 nations and are part of the wider New Frontiers family. For more details about Christ Central, please visit ChristCentralChurches.org. Thank you. It's so great to be with you. I, I really love the way so often at events like this, God just seems to thread different things together. And um, those of you who do know me will find it's no surprise when I will say that I've been seeing this thread of mercy running through this conference so far. Um, I've just loved the fact that God's mercy has come to us to forgive us. His mercy has come to us to help us forgive and lay down disappointments. His mercy has come to forgive us our sins, forgive us our mistakes, to rebuild us, re-strengthen us, restore us. And I love this morning session where just the glory of God came. And, and for me, it just reminds me of um, in Exodus where Moses says to the Lord, show me your glory. And the way God reveals his glory to Moses is it says that he passed beside him, he passed him, and he said, I'm the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I love the fact that when that kind of God is revealing his glory, one of the primary things he says is, I'm a God merciful. I'm a merciful God. And as we've encountered the mercy of God, you know, we're all leaders here, aren't we? So we know that when we encounter the mercy of God for ourselves, we know it's not just for us. We know it's so that we can go out on mission. And the mission is to take the mercy of God to other people. The mission is to take the mercy of God out to those who maybe have no hope. Those outside of Christ who in that sense do have no hope, but there are many who actually are very aware of their uh, maybe physical needs, their material needs, their emotional needs, their mental health needs. God is calling us to emerge from the pandemic as an army of mercy bringers to our communities. He wants us to bring his mercy Before the pandemic, I met a guy who came to our food bank in Hastings who basically was very distressed. Our food bank was very, very busy. It was winter. We were were kind of getting slammed, to be honest with you. We didn't really know what hit us. We'd got much busier than we'd ever been in previous years. And there were just loads of people crammed into the food bank space waiting for their food parcels to be made up. More people than probably we should have had in that space. And this guy in particular was just struggling being in that crowd. So the food bank manager said to me, can you come and can you take this guy out and go and sit with him somewhere and just until his food parcel's ready. And so I sat with this guy and he said to me, I'm actually homeless, I'm sleeping on the streets. This guy was in in jeans and a hoodie and he had nothing with him, he had a carrier bag and that carrier bag did not have a sleeping bag or clothes or anything like that. I don't know what was in it, but it was definitely nothing like that. And he was saying, I'm homeless, I'm sleeping on the streets. And then he said to me, This is just me and him sitting together out of the food bank. He said to me, if I have to hurt you to get help, I want you to know that I will. I was like, why have I I been put with him? I'm like the smallest person you could have found. And I, you know, I, I thought that, I was just like, oh. He said it really calmly, but there was something in that that I found quite disturbing. 
Um, and so I said to him, well, I'll go and get you a sandwich and a drink. If you just wait here, like, stay here, I'll get you a sandwich and a drink. But I actually went back to the food bank manager and said, is there someone else who can come and sit? I didn't want to like, get away, but I wanted someone else so that I was kind of, you know, security in numbers and all that sort of thing. But um, the food bank manager was like, look around you, there's nothing we can do. You just need to deal with it on your own. So off I went back to this guy. And then he started to tell me that no one locally would help him. And I didn't really believe him, you know. I thought, well, someone locally must help you. And he said to me, I've been to every organisation. He reeled them off, every local charity. None of them will help me anymore because I'm violent, um, because I'm, I'm offensive. Like, I, I won't tell you what he actually said, but he explained to me why no one would help him. And I didn't believe him. And I got him a sandwich and a drink and... While he was waiting, I went and I tried to call all the different organisations. So I called the local authority because they've got a statutory responsibility to take in someone who's homeless. And they said, yeah, we know him. He's not eligible. They said, if he sleeps outside on the streets for three nights in a row when the temperature is below freezing, then we can help him. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? This is a rule that actually they're not allowed to break. The woman I was speaking to, it wasn't that she lacked compassion. It's like, she, she's like, I'm not, there's no flexibility. But I said to her, if he sleeps outside below freezing for three nights, he's probably going to die. She said, I'm really sorry. There's nothing I can do. We know him. He's not eligible. I called organisation after organisation. Um, called mental health support. They said, yeah, we do know him. He's violent. We won't take him. Uh, I called a charity which is just superb at helping the most vulnerable in my community and they said we can't take him because he's been violent towards women um, and we've only got shared accommodation overnight so we can't take the risk. As I called organisation after organisation I realised this guy's only hope is the local church. His only hope for mercy is the local church because every other organisation either cannot help him or they will not help him because of his track record. We went on and we helped that guy. But let me tell you then, during the pandemic, I met a woman who came to our food bank and looked utterly shell-shocked to be there. You could see it in her face. She, just, she didn't know what had hit her. And she started to tell me about this very lucrative media career that she'd had right up until the moment the pandemic hit the UK and then her business collapsed overnight. She's never experienced poverty. In fact, she said to me, I've donated to this food bank over and over again by putting tins in the baskets in my local supermarket. She said, I have never in a million years imagined that I would be here right now. She looked horrified that suddenly she was in this position. And she told me, I've got a nice house, but what good was that to anyone in March 2020 when your business collapsed and suddenly all your income's dried up? She's like, I've got a house, but I can't get any money to buy food this week for my kids. And then since the pandemic, with the cost of living crisis, just a couple of weeks ago, I was sat with a friend of mine who was saying to me, I had already cut back everything from my life I could imagine cutting out. She said, I already hardly go out. I already don't ever turn my heating on. I've got a dozen blankets. And when it's really cold, I just wrap up. I layer up. I put all these blankets on. She's like, I make do. I don't turn on the lights half the time. I don't watch TV. I don't do anything that would use up electricity or use unnecessary power. And then she says, now the cost of living crisis, her bills have gone up so much. She said, the only way I can possibly cut um, any money, any expenditure now, is to go down to one meal a day. 
This is a woman around my age. If we don't bring the mercy of God to our communities, there is no hope for the people I've just mentioned. From the woman who was very wealthy and lost it all overnight to the guy who's got serious uh, mental health issues and just can't find anyone to help him anymore because of his behavior. To my friend who's saying, this is a crisis for me. I don't know what else to do other than go down to one meal a day. And I imagine when the winter comes this year, how's she even going to do one meal a day if our energy bills go up again like they're supposed to? We must be mercy bringers. Not just we must be, you know, we get to be. We get to be the hope bringers, the mercy bringers in our communities. In Isaiah 61, if you want to turn to it, but I think some of the words are going to come up on the screen. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. You know, Jesus in Luke 4 took these words on himself, didn't he? And said, the spirit of the Lord is on me to bring good news to the poor. Jesus, part of his ministry, part of this, what, some of what we talk about in terms of heaven invading earth, Jesus brought good news to those in poverty. And the same spirit that anointed Jesus to do that is here for us to anoint us today, right now right here in this space and he wants to do it because actually the poorest in our society are those the most on the heart of God he loves to take broken lives and totally transform and restore them we heard about it didn't we from Nicky Gumbel that first question he started with is do we believe change is possible do we believe that the spirit of God wants to come into the darkest places of our community into the most broken lives and bring about total and utter transformation I believe that he does. I believe that actually everything we've experienced in the last few years, even over the last 10 or 15 years in terms of the global financial crash, the recession, then the era of austerity, then the pandemic, the cost of living crisis. I believe God is opening our eyes as his people to say, there are poor and broken people around you who need the mercy of God. They need the hope that only God can bring. So what I want us to do now is pray for each other. I want us to pray for each other for this anointing of the Spirit of God to come upon us. There will be some of you in this room, I know, who will be absolutely like heart-sold on this. Yes, we're going, we're reaching the poorest, we're reaching the most vulnerable, we're going after the marginalized and the broken. And there'll be some in this room who will be like, do you know what, if I'm honest, this isn't really on my heart. There are other things that I get more excited about. There are other things that I feel God's called me to. I believe the Bible is really, really crystal clear that this is just part of being a follower of Jesus. That for every single one of us, you don't necessarily have to be involved in a project. You don't have to set up a food bank. You don't have to run a night shelter. You don't have to volunteer at a debt center. But all of us are called to increasingly become like Jesus and he is compassionate and merciful and kind and generous and gracious. So I'd love us to spend a few minutes in groups, just with the people around you, maybe in threes, fours, fives, just praying through Isaiah 61, just that little bit that we've read, 
for the anointing of the Spirit to come upon us, that we might be mercy bringers, that our leadership teams might be full of mercy for the poorest, that our churches might increasingly have a heart to serve the most vulnerable in our community, and for God to give us increasing strategies of mercy as the needs rise around us. Many of us don't know what we're going to do. How can we do any more? We're doing a lot already. We need the Spirit of God to anoint us with mercy that's strategic as well as heartfelt. So can we get into groups, threes, fours, fives? We're going to take about 10 minutes, so we've got time for this, just to pray for the Spirit of God to come and anoint us, our leaders, and our churches. You know, this um, passage in Isaiah 61 goes on a little bit further. If you can put the next part of it up, please. Um, It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. And then the bit we just read. And later it says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. And um, the, the year of the Lord's favor is when salvation comes. And the day of vengeance of our God is the day when God puts all wrong things right. It's the day when perfect justice comes. Day of vengeance sounds um, confusing maybe or scary in in many ways, doesn't it? But actually it's a day we should long for because it's the day when God brings perfect justice. And I would love us, we're going to pray again. Sorry, I know that many of you didn't know you were coming to a prayer meeting. But what I want us to pray for is salvation. Because so often... um, In our nation, in the UK, but I think in many nations, what happens is we either give ourselves to evangelism or we give ourselves to social action. We we either want to talk about Jesus or we want to serve the poorest. And we separate those to our peril. We don't want to offer people half a gospel where they get help with their immediate need, but they don't get hope for eternity. They don't get to know that there's a father who created them, who loves them, who adores them, who wants to draw them in and forgive their sins. We mustn't separate evangelism from social action or the other way around. And there's a drift that happens. So often we start out so well, we, we really we want to reach the poorest and the most vulnerable in our communities and we, we want to help them at their point of crisis, but we also do want to share Jesus and then we just start to drift. And sometimes we drift towards only talking about Jesus because we look at our projects and we think, well, we haven't seen that many people saved. I know some have. I know here in Darlington you have, but in many of our projects we, we're jealous of what we're hearing about happening here. We want to see it in our communities too, but we, we, we drift because we think, well, we're not really seeing people saved, so should we be doing it? So we'll just, we'll just get back to the main thing of talking about Jesus. But, you know, in the Bible it says, what good is it to say, bless you, bless you, and not help someone with the bread that they need? But equally, to our peril do we leave Jesus out. Jesus is the only hope for us all. He is our beautiful saviour, wonderful counsellor that we've been singing about. And if, if we only offer people food or shelter or clothing, we are shortchanging people that God loves. We are, um, I mean, shortchanging is a massive understatement, obviously. Don't we want to offer people not just hope for this moment, for the crisis that they're in right now, but hope for all eternity, that they could come to know Jesus right now 
and then spend all eternity worshipping and adoring him. So we mustn't separate um, Jesus. We mustn't leave Jesus out of our social action. He's the reason why we do it. It's because his spirit has anointed us to bring good news to the poor. Most of the time when revival happens, it happens amongst the poorest. It happens amongst the working classes. It happens amongst those on the lowest incomes. If you look back through um, history of revivals, that's so often where it starts. And that's why we look to revivals and we see that out of them come things like orphanages and better education standards and help for the most vulnerable and the poorest. It, It comes out of revival because those are the very people that God sweeps into his kingdom when revival comes. So I would love us to stand to our feet and cry out for God to save. To cry out for God to sweep across our nations, wherever you're from, and ask him in our communities, would we see the... Think about, I want you to name specific parts of your community. There might be streets, there might be estates, there might be schools that are in special measures, there might be areas where people don't think it's safe to go. Let's cry out for God to transform those communities with his mercy and grace. So why don't we stand to our feet? I want us to all cry out together. And and I know that sometimes we do this for 30 seconds or 60 seconds, and then we feel like, I don't know what else to say. If you get there, cry out in tongues. Let's really press in. Let's ask God for mercy among the poorest in our communities. Let's go for it. Keep standing and keep praying, but I'd love, like Chris led us in yesterday, to have maybe 10 people just come and cry out to God for if it's for your community, your church family, the poorest in your area, a group of people who are vulnerable on your heart. Why don't we have one after another and we'll stand and we'll amen your prayers. I'll start, God, I long to see people I know, the people I've mentioned, um, the people whose stories I've told, I want to see them saved and added to your kingdom, Lord God. I want to see the areas of deprivation in my community, the people I grew up with, the places I grew up in, God, Central St. Leonard's, Hollington, or these are communities. No one in this room might know where they are, but I know, you know, Lord, you know, and you care about those communities. So would you come and shine your light into those dark places and save people from those areas in Jesus' name? Father God, I want to call out to you for the people of Fredericton in Canada, Lord God. We just pray for the vulnerable there, the immigrants, those who are refugees, those who are in just such poverty and there's no social structure which seems to be able to help them. Oh God, will you help us as a church to know the specific ways that you are calling us to reach into that community. Lord, we thank you for the building you've given us right in the heart of some of the poorest communities. And I pray, Lord, give us strategies, give us plans, but Lord, give us a heart as a church for the people who are living in those communities that we might reach them, not just with physical uh, needs, but Lord, with the gospel, with the hope that is in you, Lord Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. God, we want to thank you for Stoke-on-Trent. God, in 2001, we were the worst place to live in the UK, and we thank you that you've brought us far from that. But God, there is still so much to do. God, we pray, Father, that people would know the name of Jesus in each of the five towns in Newcastle under Lyme. God, that they would come to realize that hope isn't just desirable, but it's possible because of the name of Jesus changes and transforms impossible situations. God, we don't just pray for economic change. God, we pray, Father, that you would sweep through our towns with the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Father God, thank you for your great heart for Mark, Lord, who lives on the streets. Lord, thank you that you've brought him in, Lord, more than once. And Lord, and we just want to love him. We want to see you transform this man, Lord, who, Lord, is lost, Lord. But you love him so much, Lord Jesus. And Lord, thank you for all those in our community who are like that, Lord. You, they've been given up on by this world, Lord. But you love them, and you're bringing them into contact with us. And we want to shine your light to them, Lord Jesus. Yeah, Lord, we want to uh, just pray for Teesside, Lord. We want to just ask, would you just come and meet the people of Teesside, Lord? This place seems so hopeless, Lord. It just seems so deprived, Lord. But we thank you that you are the hope for Teesside, Lord. We pray against generations of unemployment and hopelessness and, and lack of aspirations. And we pray, would you just come and do a new thing in Teesside? We pray for Central Stockton and Middlesbrough, Lord. We thank you for the great diversity that you've got in this place. And we want to pray, would that be reflected in our churches as you do a new work in Teesside? Bring hope to Teesside because you are the hope of the world, and you are the hope for the people of Teesside. Amen, amen. Lord, we pray for the refugees. Lord, we pray that there will be a change of heart in our government. Lord, we pray that there will be a change of heart in our nation. We pray that our nation of Britain, my nation of Britain, will become a nation of welcome, that, Lord, we will remember our Christian roots, that we will remember that in Christianity we are a people who love and who welcome the stranger. Lord, we pray for change of policy. And, Lord, we thank you for those that you have brought from different nations to Britain. And we thank you for the contribution of many, many of our Christian brothers and sisters who've come and joined us. And we pray that there will be a true unity in the church in Britain, that we will be one. And Lord, we ask that we will be reaching out to the other communities of refugees who are coming to Britain, and that many, many, many people from different nations will become that one new nation under Christ, that many will come and find uh, Jesus as their Savior. So, Lord, we're asking that you will bring revival amongst the refugees that you are bringing to Britain. Lord, we want to pray for the invisible people of this country who are being exploited even now. The 100,000 people who are, who are enslaved in this country right now. We want to pray for freedom, God. We want to pray for justice. Will you reach out and pull those people out of exploitation and place them in places where they will receive the love of Christ, where they will be loved back to health, where they will find their, their health and their healing in Jesus Christ. Will you come, Lord, and break these people free in Jesus' name? Look, God, I pray for Blackpool, a place where people come when they're hopeless and at the end and they've tried everything else. God, I pray that people who come to Blackpool will meet you. God, will you do a miracle in your church that we will reach out? Will you give us resource and provision? And God, we pray for revival. God, we need you to save people that their lives will be transformed. God, I pray for whole streets, not ones and twos, but thousands who will turn to you and see you do good in their lives. 
Yes, Lord, I pray for Woodhouse and Little London, Father. Thank you, Lord God, that you love the people in that community. Lord God, I pray for Ken. I pray for Shelley and Carla and Jade. Lord God, I pray that they will come to know you. Lord God, I pray that their families will come to know you. I pray that they would take your name to their communities. Lord God, help us to reach these people. Lord Jesus, that your name would be spoken on the streets of Woodhouse and Little London. That your name would be made famous. Lord God, for the families in that school there, Lord Jesus, we just pray for them. We just pray that you would welcome them into your family because you love them so much. Lord God, that you would break our hearts for that community, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you want to take your seats, I'll just really encourage you. If, if you think actually, if you'd come to the mic, you wouldn't have been able to name someone personally. Find someone who you can name and cry out to God on their behalf. Whether it's just that you stop and you get to know someone who is asking for money on the street. So often we pass the same people time and time again. Stop and ask them if, you can, if they'd mind sharing a bit of their life with you. Get to know them. Get involved somehow, somewhere. Whether it's a refugee, whether it's a survivor of modern slavery. Some of the uh, cries of people's hearts that we've heard. Get to know someone that you can pray for by name. At least one person. Because it will allow God to work in your heart. Actually, whatever he wants to do with them, it's more about saying to God, I want to open up my heart and give you space, God, to do what you want to do. Because, you know, God is so merciful that actually the truth is that his heart isn't just to see people helped at their point of crisis. His heart is for that, but it's not just for that. And his heart isn't even just to see people saved, as wonderful and astonishing and incredible as that is. It goes much further than that. And it's one of the reasons why this passage in Isaiah 61 is so dear to my heart, because it goes on to say that actually good news comes to the poor. Why? So that they may be called oaks of righteousness, that they may be a planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified, that they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And I know that some of you in this room who know me will know that's some of my own story, that I grew up in relative poverty in Hastings, which is currently the 13th most deprived part of the UK. I've said it uh, yesterday, it's got more in common with many of the northern cities in the UK, even though it's right down on the south coast. And a national newspaper once called Hastings Hell on Sea. That sounds like a place that's a ruined city, doesn't it? It sounds like a place that's been devastated for a long time. And then God comes along and he grabs hold of people like me, grabs hold of me, lifts me out of poverty, saves me into his kingdom. And then his plan and his intention and his desire for me is that I grow from this little acorn that no one would have noticed, and I'm raised into an oak of righteousness. I become that gradually as I become more and more like Jesus, and then I get to be someone who rebuilds ruined cities. What mercy, what astonishing mercy of God. And you know what? My life wasn't as hard as many, many people's lives in our nation. God's heart is to raise people up. His vision for those in poverty isn't just to be helped out of poverty. It isn't just to be saved into his kingdom. It is to go on to become oaks of righteousness who bring him glory as they raise others out of poverty too. So I would love us just to finish this session praying for oaks of righteousness. I think it means we need to pray for ourselves too. 
Because so often what we're looking for in leadership doesn't look um, like people from chaotic and broken backgrounds. You know, when, when I became a Christian, I asked um, the guy who was my youth leader when I became a Christian, I asked him a couple of years ago to describe what I was like when I got saved when I was 15. And I said to him, just give me an honest answer. And he said, yeah, you were a right screwed up mess. I was like, wow, okay, that was quite honest. He didn't sugarcoat it at all. But I know that back then when I was 15, if, if you'd got our youth group of about 60 teenagers in a line and said, who's going to end up talking about God's heart for the poorest? Who's going to end up getting to write about it? I would have been at the very bottom of the queue. No one would have seen anything about me that would have made them think that I would be doing what God is using me and called me to do today. But don't you just love that that's what God does? Isn't that really all of our story? That he takes the weak. As Terry said, he takes the weak. God is not looking at the same things that we're looking at. God takes the runt. You know, that's, that's kind of a word that's used of David, isn't it? That God takes the runt. The one who's not even considered. So I want us to just spend this last few minutes. Um, we'll just do it in, again, twos and threes, just praying, God, would we see people raised into mighty oaks of righteousness that go on to raise others out of poverty, who go on to affect the lives of others, who become leaders in our communities, in our churches, and to pray for us that we might see with God's eyes, not with our own eyes that we might see people as God sees them and think, actually, they couldn't tick a whole list of leadership qualities that we might have on a piece of paper, but the anointing of God is on them to be an oak of righteousness who brings others out of poverty too. So why don't we stand, get in groups again, and cry out for this last few minutes for that. Our time is up in this session. Uh, let me just encourage you. I love the fact that um, because this is so much a part of the heart of Christ Central, we've got these stands, um, Hope at Home, Compassion, Jubilee Plus, that are all want to help you to help people out of poverty. So please do go in this break and talk to people on those stands if you have a chance. But it's our lunch break now. We're going to be back here at 2 o'clock to hear Terry. It's going to be an amazing session, so looking forward to that. But enjoy lunch and come back here sharp at 2 o'clock.